This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your co-host, Mati. And I'm Ian. And congrats, we survived publishing our first episode ever. Woo! Yay. So uh, today we are going to be reviewing the film Us. We'll warm up with spoiler-free thoughts on the film as well as a general discussion about our experiences with horror films. Then we'll head into spoiler territory for the bulk of the cast. Finally, we'll conclude with our point two section where we briefly discuss what else we've been watching. So first let's read a synopsis of Us. A family's serenity turns to chaos when a group of doppelgangers begins to terrorize them. Us stars Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Lupita Nyong'o, and Winston Duke. It is written and directed by Jordan Peele. So for those of you who don't know, Jordan Peele was known for, you know, was known earlier for his work in comedy. He wrote for Mad TV and he had his own sketch show with Keegan-Michael Key called Key and Peele. And then from there, he sort of broke out as a director in 2016 with his film Get Out, which was nominated for several Oscars and then ended up winning for Best Original Screenplay. So Peele considers Get Out to be a social thriller that sort of explores racial dynamics and inherent racism in our country throughout the use of or throughout the film while using horror elements to kind of elevate the uh, film experience. Us is not really that. Uh, while there's definitely underlying messages in the film that we'll probably get to later, Peele has actually gone on record as saying that Us is first and foremost a horror film. He's even gone so far as to say that Us is not even explicitly about racism or race. So with that in mind, Ian, why don't you tell me a little bit about your relationship just in general with horror films? Is that a genre that you're well-versed in? Is it, you know, is it one that you like? Uh, it's definitely a genre that I'm becoming more well-versed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the horror movies that I've seen have been like through like Halloween specials on TV and uh, through like whatever streaming services have to offer. Um, I've only seen a few in theaters. Um, but I love the experience of watching a horror movie. Uh, I feel like it, it's like it's completely different from any other. Uh, genre of film because you get more immersed I feel like more you get more involved with the film you're just like on a roller coaster of like scares I feel like yeah yeah I, I definitely I think thinking back to some of my most favorite film experiences in the theater mm-hmm. a lot of them have been horror movies yeah. or, or yeah. you know at the very least thrillers mm-hmm. it's very exciting to kind of get involved in the film and be invested in the characters and then watching and then kind of being scared that terrible things are going to happen to yeah, them yeah. and kind of having the roller coaster of emotions of like being scared and then relief when they're fine and then getting scared again. Mm-hmm. I think horror movies are definitely like like that. But I, I think I'm like you too that like recently I've started getting more into horror films. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, especially when I was a kid, I thought horror movies were terrible. Yeah. And I... Why, why do you think that is? Well, I feel like 
there are a lot of bad horror movies out there. Like, lots of people think, I th- I feel like lots of people think of, like, Sharknado. Or That's something. not a horror movie. But, I, but I, th- I feel like it's, like, I feel like if you, when you look it up, is it a horror movie? I don't know. I, I don't think so. <laughs> but I, I, I think I know what you mean. Like, it seems like every couple weeks, you know, you see this trailer for some random movie dropping that yeah. you've never heard of that yeah. costs 50 million or no five million dollars to make and it looks like absolute crap and then people go and teenagers eat that stuff up mm-hmm. and they love it and it's just poor or like terrible acting a bad story and these cheap cheap jump scares mm-hmm. and so like that for me was the longest for the longest time that for me is what I thought of when I thought of horror films yeah, yeah. I didn't I think you know, back in like the 60s and the 70s, there was a lot of horror films that were like genuinely good films. Yeah. I'm thinking films like The Exorcist. Halloween. Sure, Halloween. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything other than The Exorcist. <laughs> but, and we've recently seen sort of like a re- resurgence in the horror genre of yeah. like actually interesting and well-directed and well-acted horror films. Yeah. So I think that that's gone a, a long way in kind of um, changing how I feel about horror films in general. But there is something to be said about like the frustration that comes from these tiny, tiny horror films just being absolutely crappy. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess what I'm thinking of is like Final Destination or yeah. like the more recent Saw movies, just like yeah, this sort like of like torture Annabelle. porn kind of kind of things. So I, I like Annabelle. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that... I, I actually didn't see Annabelle, so yeah, I shouldn't judge it. But like, well, why, why but, are you saying but that? But even films like, so there was even films that some people call these like amazing horror films like Insidious, oh. uh, directed mm-hmm. by, I believe, Scott Derrickson. Mm-hmm. Is that right? The guy who did Doctor Strange. And I hated that movie. I watched I didn't watch it in theaters. I watched it at home and I thought it was so hokey, so so bad, I could not get into it. But then you start to see these other films that, you know, like it and Insidious films. is James Wan. Oh well, that explains it. I don't. I don't think James Wan is very good. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of horror films they rely too heavily on jump scares because jump scares are so easy, and I, it's almost this sort of thing of if people come to get scared and they come for these jump scares, why invest the time in good acting and good direction and good story when you can get, on a surface level at least, the same sort of cheap thrills from just these silly little jump cuts and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that these films are stupid cheap to make, right? Blumhouse Pictures is this production company that is built off of the idea of making these tiny horror movies that cost no more than five to ten million dollars so that even if they have a dud it it just takes one of those things to make you know even 60 million Mm dollars and that's a ridiculous uh, return on investment so it's a little different than films like superhero movies that generally cost hundreds of million dollars they really need to succeed in order to actually uh, turn a profit for the company but um yeah. So do you have what do you think is your the scariest movie you've ever seen or the scariest film experience you've ever had? I I, I know you're going to disagree with me, but I think the scariest film experience I've had was seeing it in theaters. Because okay. I I think that was the first 
horror movie that I ever saw in theaters, um, which was a different experience, I guess, for me. Okay. Why Why did you think that was so scary? What was so effective about that? Uh, well, firstly, I'm, I don't like clowns. Okay, well, that's... So going in, I was okay, like, this yeah. is going to be, like, <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, yeah. So it is the clown movie. Yeah, with Penny, I, Pennywise the Clown. Yeah, that's... That's just the easiest way to sum it. Yeah. The Stephen King adapted novel. So, yeah. Yeah, continue. Remake of the, like, 1980. Yeah, it was like a TV special, special kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and there's a sequel coming out soon. Yep. Very um, excited for that. But yeah. Go ahead. Uh, but there were just, like, some really not only, like, gruesome things happening in there, but, like, disturbing imagery. You know? Okay. I, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it, I guess. But. Yeah. Yeah, let's. We'll if we ever spoil something, we'll say like spoiler alert yeah, or something yeah. like that before it happens. I I also saw it with you, and I I don't know if I would consider it the scariest movie I've ever seen, but it was probably the funnest movie I've ever seen. And it was very it it was just like you you got so scared every time that clown came up, yeah. and I didn't. I it I guess maybe. The film is scary uh, in the now, kind of mm-hmm. in the moment. It's mm-hmm. very scary, and it's like you're kind of terrified for the characters, and mm-hmm. you kind of are screaming at them, and you want them to get out, and all all this stuff. <laughs> get out, and yeah, yeah. and it's unintentional. <laughs> I think that's gonna happen like three or four more times. To yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I feel like at the end of it, I wasn't haunted. I wasn't like I'm never gonna sleep again, or I'm I'm not. It it didn't it didn't kind of like scare me to my core. Yeah. In ways that actually, I mean, maybe I just like that doesn't happen for me. Maybe I just don't get scared yeah, to my like, core gonna, by horror films. I was gonna ask you like, do you have a scariest movie? Yeah. So I mean, my I I wrote here my spoopiest movies are definitely it, and then the other one that we saw recently was Hereditary. Oh yeah. Which. Is it safe to say that that movie is fucked up? Yeah, yeah <laughs> like no, I think so. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's the way I would describe that movie, and that's almost like I guess it wasn't. It didn't also didn't like haunt me to my core either, but in more so than it, I was disturbed by that movie and uncomfortable, and I wanted the characters to get out of that situation more than the characters in it, because mm-hmm. I felt like in it. I was enjoying them being in this sort of perilous terror, whereas in Hereditary, I was like, no, you stop this. This needs to stop. (laughs) But both of those movies, I think, are uh, great examples of this type of film that is great in the horror genre Mm -hmm. while still having some of those more traditional horror tropes. I I think those movies are both great. I would agree. Yeah. The one other movie that I wanted to like bring up as the movie that scared me the most was this is like one of my earliest childhood movie memories. Mm-hmm. And have you ever heard of the movie Patriot? No. I don't remember much about it, but it is a film with Mel Gibson in it. It is not a horror movie for the record. It is a film about like I think Mel Gibson is in the Civil War, the Revolutionary War or something like that. And there's a scene where he he is kind of in his hometown or something and his son is there and the villain of the film or something this is all just it's like 
this kind of like imagery in my head, but the son just gets shot straight in the head by one of the villains and I bawled my eyes out <laughs> in that scene. I was terrified. And I, I wonder, I remember my dad was watching Patriot and I wonder if he still remembers this because it is vivid in my memory. It was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And I was like six or seven at the time. Oh my God. <laughs> and he, he saw me cry and he was just like, it's just a movie. Stop. Like, <laughs> and I, I just bawled the whole night and I couldn't watch the rest of the film. But um, so, yeah, that would be probably the scaredest or the most scared I've ever been in a film. So, <laughs> um, okay. So you want to talk specifically about us? Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. So what did you think about it? I, I really liked it, I think. I don't know. It's, a, it's, a, it's a weird movie. Yeah, yeah, it um, is. And I feel like the less you know about it going into it, the better. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I watched, like, the announcement trailer, um, and that was probably it. Yeah, uh, I, don't think, I don't think I watched anything. I didn't see a single clip of footage. I saw some images and stuff, yeah, but that's yeah. all, I, all I knew. And I think that was part of the fun of the movie. Like, you go into it not really knowing much, and it's just sort of like a roller coaster from there. Um, and I loved uh, Lupita and uh, Winston Duke yeah Winston Duke I love both of them in in this movie Um, and I love seeing Winston Duke's humor yeah because because that's something that I you see a little bit of in Black Panther like his like little comedic timing and stuff and uh, I love seeing more of that in us um like whenever it would get to like a really tense point uh winston duke's character what's his name gabe gabe yeah he would be there to like break the tension with a terrible dad joke or something (laughs) and and i really liked that okay cool yeah so this film takes place in santa cruz i've been to santa cruz twice in my life once when i was touring like colleges in california with my dad and then another time when i lived in the bay area for a summer and my, the first thing that we did when we went to Santa Cruz, we got there in the evening. So we walked to a restaurant after parking our car. And one of the first people we ran into was this like guy. I don't know if you know, but Santa Cruz is like super well known for being like a place where people smoke a lot of weed. Okay. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Um, and so this guy, definitely high out of his mind, is like trying to sit down like on the curb of the street Mm -hmm. but like he's sitting like there's like an indent where there's a tree planted in the middle of the sidewalk kind of thing and so he tries to sit down and just sort of falls back and like (laughs) falls onto the ground and he goes whoa dude what the fuck (laughs) and I I was what a junior at the time or like the summer before my junior year Uh so I was like well that pretty much sums up Santa Cruz but in a lot of ways it also pretty much sums up this film (laughs) like or at least how I feel about it like it is a weird movie I don't know I I still I've been thinking about it like since we saw it yesterday and I still don't know if I like it or not yeah like parts of it I think are really really good and really interesting and you can tell that Jordan Peele knows exactly what he's doing and mm-hmm. he's intentionally creating this type of like almost buzz buzzworthy sort of like Twitter moment imagery 
that uh, makes the film really interesting. Yeah. But then there's other times that like there's some decisions made and like some creative choices that I kind of want to talk about in spoilers that took me out of the movie mm-hmm. and didn't really work for me. Yeah. And I I, I, I can't tell I can't tell like which one like like where the scales are right now yeah, in my head yeah. and um so it, it's not it's not there was a guy next to us in the theater that immediately afterwards uh after the film ended he got up and was like rudely screamed like that was the worst movie i've ever seen yeah fuck that guy yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely not that not a big fan of him no he he was annoying he was on his phone a lot during the film and like oh god i hate that but um so I don't think it's I don't think it's anywhere close to the, a terrible movie, but I don't know how much it works for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to kind of get into that. Yeah, a little bit. I I was wondering like I feel like I might at some point need to watch the movie again at least once because I feel like there are so many things that Peel put into the movie that I mm-hmm. probably missed like little subtle things because it seemed like every scene and like every shot was done like with a purpose for intentionally something. Yeah. yeah yeah um so so i wonder like how how much we missed <laughs> yeah that's definitely true and i recently watched get out again mm-hmm. and i hadn't seen that since we saw that in theaters like what three years ago at this point and that film knowing where it goes is really interesting to watch. Yeah. Like there are there are a lot of very subtle things and not even these sort of like mind-blowy things, just like attention to detail that is very very cool. Mm-hmm. And like the way that certain characters act kind of has a different meaning when you know the ending of that film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like and then I I also want to say that like when we when we saw Get Out in theaters, I thought it was good. I didn't I wouldn't say I loved it. Whereas watching this the second time, I was like, this is a fantastic movie. This yeah, is yeah. really good. So I'm interested to see if that... Uh, Carries over to this one. Yeah, if that yeah. happens in this one. But I do think I need a little like distance from mm-hmm. this as well, just to kind of think about it as as a first viewing experience. Because I think if a film like doesn't work the first time and then works the second time, it's I think that's a fault of the film a little bit. I think that Get Out works both when you don't know it and when you do. Yeah. And it just like elevates it. And so I still need to decide whether I think that this first viewing of this like like worked for me. And mm-hmm. I I I don't know, maybe maybe you'll help me figure that out as we talk about some of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Did so you talked a little bit about Winston Duke, yeah, who had a lot of kind of the film's funnier moments. Mm-hmm. How did you think that that humor played into the whole like the other side of this film which is definitely horror yeah right? like how, how did you think peel managed to do you think he did a good job balancing those tones yeah that's a good question because there were times i was like this is a father like trying to protect his family yeah and he just like is cracking a few jokes i can't tell if that's like him as a like if that's duke trying to lighten the mood to keep his family sane in, like, an insane situation. Okay, yeah, that's know? not a bad read. Yeah, yeah. In, like, the same way that Spider-Man cracks jokes to keep himself sane during crazy fights. Like, 
I, yeah. I, that's what I was thinking he was doing. So that's an interesting point, um, the Spider-Man thing, because I feel like when you're in a Spider-Man story, there's a part of you that's like, okay, this is a superhero film. So like, you know, if this was a real life, like Spider-Man would probably get shot and then he'd die. Yeah, but like, like suspend disbelief. Yeah, so like there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief and like the whole idea of quipping during battles, like that is very comic booky, and it's something that when it's used sparingly, it doesn't break away from it's still feeling like a grounded or realistic story. Yeah. Here, I can't tell if Peel is asking us to kind of accept this film as this sort of realistic take, sort of like he didn't get out, mm-hmm. or if this is more of a like hokier kind of schlocky horror film that happens to have some interesting things to say. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. What, I, what do you think? I, I feel like that might be what he was doing. because Which it, one? The, the second one, like making okay. it a little bit hokier. Okay. Like, it's still very serious. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that with, like, especially Lupita's acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she... Because she she was, did not have humor. <laughs> no, she was she was fantastic. And also I just want to like talk about her for a second. She she um I I can't remember the last time I've seen an actor or actress like play two roles in the same movie so well. Yeah. She was playing the hero and the villain. Yeah. Yeah. And I both wanna, were done so well. I don't Yeah, I, I was thinking about that like earlier today too, that like she was playing both roles, but I think this might be one of the first times where I believed that they were two completely separate characters. Yeah, they had completely different feels. Yeah, because I think back to like, this is kind of a bad example and it's not the same thing because what I'm about to reference is really campy. Great. Uh, <laughs> Arrow, like, or kind of the Flash in the CW universe. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times characters will play different versions or different like, Earth versions of each other, mm-hmm. and the one I'm thinking about specifically is when Katie Cassidy plays both Laurel Lance and Black Canary. Oh, yeah. And those two characters are completely different characters, but every time one or the other is on the screen, I'm like, oh, it's just like that's just Katie Cassidy. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I I don't think it's like controversial to say that Lupita Nyong'o is miles better at acting than Katie Cassidy, but it's just like an interesting thing or kind of yeah. a good comparison to make. I, I completely agree with you that she is fantastic. But um, but um, <laughs> getting back to the kind of the tonal imbalance, mm-hmm. yeah, do you... No, that's... <laughs> that's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I was just... I just uh, am interested in, in where you were going with that, what you think. Like, do you think it works if it's like a schlocky kind of more campy horror film. I think that's something that I think that's something that we're going to see out of like all of Peel's movies that he's going yeah. to make. You see like a bit of that in Get Out even, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. I think though that at least in Get Out what worked for me most was that the 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 campy parts of the horror were once you find out what's going on in the film, it makes it a little more sense, like yeah. why they're acting like that. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of characters in Get Out where you're sort of like, that's ridiculous. Nobody would ever say that, or mm-hmm. like that per- that character would never say that. That kind of thing. And then 
once you know what's going on, it's like, oh, this is still weird and kind of goofy, but it makes sense. And I don't know if this film works for me on that level the same way that Get Out did. Mm-hmm. I I feel like at some points it's asking you to be to go very grounded and take this story very seriously. And then other times it does this stuff that's sort of like, oh, this doesn't really matter. Or like there's no it's not as grounded as I as I thought. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I, I think that's just like a part of the the fun of the movie, though. Like yeah. a, a normal traditional family getting thrown into, you know, a crazy struggle to survive. And so that doesn't it, it doesn't bother you. I, I don't think so. I, I okay. think it. I think that made the the film better for me. Okay. It awesome. Just was like another layer. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. I mean, that's great for you. Uh, I yeah. Again, I'm still trying to decipher how how I feel about it because I feel like. Maybe what you're looking at it as is, like, comparing it to, you know, like, other horror movies that well, you've seen. I guess I think I'm – I think what I'm actually doing is comparing it a little too much to Get Out. Like, I'm uh, almost sort of expecting a Get Out kind of film that – like, to me, Get Out's most interesting aspect was the social commentary behind mm-hmm. it and how it was kind of, like, woven into the film. And I think that while that's here in this film, it's not as – um, it's not as much the point. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So the other thing that I noticed about our audience was that the audience was not only incredibly vocal, they also seemed to laugh at a lot of things that, at least personally, I didn't think were intended to be funny. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Do you think, well, what do you think about that? I mean, I was just sort of wondering what they were laughing at because there were some yeah. times where, like, I mean, I, I don't think it's a spoiler. People, Some people die in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, there were a few times that people would just start laughing at the deaths, and I was like, what do you think just happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I felt the same way. I was sort of like, and I was sitting there, I was like, am I supposed to be laughing at this? Yeah. And I couldn't tell, is that, um, I don't want to use the word fault, but I'm going to use the word fault. Um, is that the fault of the audience or is that the fault of some sort of miscalculation on Jordan Peele's end where he was, do you think he was intending to make those deaths funny or do you think? I I think they're, they're, maybe the audience was having like a a hard time distinguishing between the tones that the, the, the movie does like shift through, like. Yeah. They couldn't separate the comedy aspect from the horror. Right. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I feel like sometimes I felt that too. And I think that that's sort of one of my bigger complaints about the film. Mm-hmm. I think that when you have to, when you're balancing those tones, there's a fine line between tones competing and tones elevating each other. And I think sometimes there's just these ever so slight miscalculations where something that is supposed to be serious is taken funny and then Mm -hmm. it sort of like breaks the tension for me and it kind of takes me out of the movie a little bit yeah yeah that's that's interesting i mean thinking about the guy that was sitting next to you maybe like the crowd was just a bunch of idiots (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah maybe or the other thing that maddie pointed out uh is that sometimes people just laugh because they don't know what else to do They're, they're uncomfortable they're freaked out they're disturbed by what's going on so yeah, they kind of give true. this sort of like ah, ah, 
oh my god i'm not gonna sleep tonight kind of yeah, like yeah thing that's a good point i but it, it is hard to tell that like I, i'm sure some of it was that but then there was times where like characters would just kind of say something that was clearly meant to be like either scary or be like oh crap like let's let's elevate the tension mm-hmm. and people still laughed and i thought i think that's a miscalculation either on one end or both i don't yeah i don't know so is there anything else you want to say about this before we jump into spoilers um i mean i i think that what stood out to me most in this movie besides uh like the great acting of um winston duke and lupita nyong'o yeah um is the the music mm-hmm. i thought yeah. the music was so good there were there were uh a few moments where you were uh you're like, oh, this this is like some classic horror mu- music, like the, like that that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> you know, like the, the scratching it sounded like a bed squeaking. Yes, I know what you're talking about. That see, yeah. but you know what I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, so okay. it worked. All right. <laughs> um, like the, like the little scratching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but, not but, more. But, it's more like. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the exact same thing. I just no. Did. You went. Er, er, er. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um. Yes. The music's yeah, good. <laughs> the, the music was so good, and it wasn't just like the the score that was good, but uh, the soundtrack. Yeah. The the soundtrack was so good, and there was like there was a scene where there was like a flawless segue between. Beach Boys and NWA. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and I thought that was like so good. Yeah, the, yeah. The characters were. Yeah. I I did like the, the sort of like blend between this classical stuff mm-hmm. and then a more modern mm-hmm. um, soundtrack. I, I, I agree. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. And then I know I in our previous episode I kind of talked smack about bad child acting. Yeah. And I want to give credit where credit is due. I thought the children in this movie, there's two of them, were both very good. Yeah, especially because they had to play two roles. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the props to them. I think we can talk a little bit more about it in spoilers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, why don't you give, like, kind of a concluding summary of this, or not summary, but, like, a concluding statement <laughs> about this uh, and rank this, and then we'll move to spoilers. Yeah, uh, I love this movie. If you're a fan of horror, I would go see it. If you're a fan of Get Out, I would go see it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I wouldn't read up too much on it before I go because mm-hmm. part of the fun was definitely going into it clueless and yeah I think I would rate it well, this is tough 8 out of 10 okay 8 out of 10 <laughs> good yeah. great okay yeah so I actually think our scores are not going to be that different, even though um, I said that I don't know if I like this film. But the reason that I'm still going to give it a a good score is because even if I end up deciding that I don't like this and that it's not for me, I really respect this movie. Mm -hmm. I think everything is done incredibly intentional. It may not always work, but there is a clear direction that Peel is trying to go, Mm -hmm. and he does everything with style and excellence yeah. so i think it's a beautiful movie yeah for sure I, we should say also that the cinematography is fantastic yeah. Yeah, especially crazy. for a horror film like mm-hmm. this um yeah i think i would definitely encourage people to see this assuming that you don't like you don't you know 
despise violence or anything like that. I would definitely encourage people to see this and figure out what they think about the movie because I think what they're going to take away from the film and whether they overall enjoy the experience is going to be very personal and dependent on the individual. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of people that won't like this. And then I think there's going to be a lot of people that love this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give this one a seven, I think. And I'm going to do it like a seven with an asterisk that like (laughs) I reserve the right to completely change that in the coming days, weeks, and months. (laughs) All right. Yeah. All right. So this is now going to be our spoiler warning for us. That's my secret, Kevin. I'm always angry. All right, so let's get into spoilers here. Yeah. I think the first thing that we can talk about is kind of the big twist of the film. Yeah. I, I actually, I'm proud of us for not mentioning that there is a twist in the non-spoiler section. Yeah, we this. killed it with the non-spoiler section. Yeah, we, we, we nailed it. High five. Give me a high five. Yeah. My hands are sweating. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's kind of hot in here. <laughs> um, the Yeah, so... Because I, I do think that, like, knowing that there's a twist going into a movie is, like, half of a spoiler itself because then you're kind of expecting a twist. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that we, we were good with that. But the twist, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so the twist, obviously, is that Lupita Nyong'o's good character, mm-hmm. like, the human character, and then the tethered the tethered version of her. So everybody apparently has a tethered version, a uh, doppelganger of themselves mm-hmm. that, like, the government or something figured out a way to clone yeah. humans but not clone the soul so living underground in the sewers and things like that are copies of what i'm assuming is every single person in america i i think so they they didn't make it clear if they finished everybody in america before shutting it down okay so it's yeah there's shore, there's right? these sort of like zombie-ish people wandering around down there and they all kind of like have to mirror the movements of what the characters above ground are doing. Like a shadow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like a shadow. It's like Peter Pan. Basically, this is a Peter Pan uh, sequel. Yeah. 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 That's how I'm going to describe it to my parents. If oh. you like Peter Pan, you'll love this. <laughs> yeah, that's what we should have said. This should have been our opening thing. <laughs> that would be a bit of a spoiler, I think. Yeah, actually true. Well, yeah. well okay. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I guess the reveal is that um, you see in the beginning, there's a scene when Lupita Nyong'o's little and she kind of sees her doppelganger in this creepy funhouse mirror thing on the Santa Clara boardwalk, yeah. uh, Santa Cruz boardwalk. And then kind of cuts to present day. And eventually you find out that what happened at the like they kind of cut halfway through that scene you find out that what happens in the rest of that scene is that her doppelganger kind of grabs her chokes her and breaks her windpipe and then drags her down to the the other tethers and kind of chain cuffs her to a bed and then I she didn't kinda, even get that she broke her windpipe i had to, i had to read that's, it on reddit that's why that I, makes a lot more sense yeah wow yeah yeah, so we'll explain that in a second. But anyways, uh, so she kind of like switches roles with with uh, the the main the, girl. The and tethered, then, yeah. Yeah, so then the tethered one becomes the present-day Lupita Nyong'o. And I guess uh, she kind of suppressed that, I, that memory. It was from a long time ago when she was little, mm-hmm. and she kind of forgot that she actually was the evil version of herself. Mm-hmm. 
and it's kind of the main reveal at the end of the movie and it it's hinted that when she realizes it her son kind of realizes it but no one else knows and it ends up not necessarily mattering because the the other tether is killed mm. the or the the real version of this is going to be tough to explain <laughs> do we want to just call them by their name it's adelaide and red mm-hmm. so from here on out we're going to say that adelaide is the the version that we think is good but is actually the tethered and then red is the character that was originally above ground and then got got transferred and switched back so uh yeah so adelaide ends up killing red Mm -hmm. and then realizing that they were actually kind of opposites of each other i i actually have a theory that i just came up with in my head that could be completely wrong all right let's hear it because i can't remember everything from the movie let's hear it the sun is wearing a mask for a lot of the movie yeah and something that stood out to me was at the end when adelaide realizes that she's tethered she looks at her son and her son pulls down the mask i'm wondering if there's some sort of correlation of when the son pulls down the mask in the rest of the movie like well, if like he's like like deep down somehow knew that she wasn't like a real person for the whole movie <laughs> the mask has something to i don't know yeah uh i don't know that the whole her whole relationship with her son is a little weird yeah and it's it's also weird because she but... has basically no relationship with her daughter yeah um, but yeah, the, so I thought you were going to suggest that maybe like the son also got swapped at some point, but I don't know if that makes sense. Cause one of them is just so. has like a yeah. burned mouth or whatever. Yeah. So you'd be able to pretty quickly tell the difference. I don't know. Um, so I, I, let's just use this as like an open platform to talk a little bit about like what this film is trying to say. I think I have a couple theories. Do you have any? Um, like, like, I mean, the, the main thing I took away was like. You know, it doesn't matter the circumstances you were born in. It matters the people who are around you and your yeah. life and, like, how you live your life that forms who you are, you know? Yeah. So you're saying that, like, so they got switched and then one of them turned evil because they were surrounded by, quote, unquote, these evil people. And then the other one not even that was... she was not not even that she was surrounded by evil people but she had this bad thing happen to her and like the only thing that she could remember was that bad thing while yeah. she was trapped down there so she like had that like revenge like fester in her mm-hmm. and then Adelaide who was above ground w- like left this life below where she basically had nobody to having two parents who loved her and then uh, eventually going on to meet um, Gabe. Gabe falling in love, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think I agree with that take. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. Um, I'm going to take it a step further and kind of suggest that, well, so I think there's one, like one idea that PL's trying to play with is that there's sort of like a, a diverging path for every person, right? And like, Every time you choose, a de- there's like a decision, mm-hmm. you either kind of go down this dark road or mm-hmm. you go down this light road and, you know, those roads branch off again and again and again. So like there's always an opposite of what you choose to do. And so 
that I guess is interesting. And the I have a uh, fun fun comic book reference for this. Go for it. <laughs> uh, Joker once said. Oh, one bad day. All it takes is one bad day. That's all that separates you and me to Batman. Yeah, it's yeah. The only, that's the only thing that made us different. You know. Yeah. So I I do I do think that that also plays into the idea of like kind of your situation mm-hmm. defines you. The other thing is that there is a uh, like a. The other thing is that there's a line in the film at one point where Red she says we're Americans. Yeah. When they ask, like, who are you people? And I am I am slowly trying to figure this out. I, I do my best to not look at, like, other people's takes and opinions on films before we do this. I think she got that from the shirt, didn't she? Oh, I, I don't the know. The Hands Across about. America thing? Oh. Okay, here's, here's my take that I read, like, some comments on Reddit about. I do my best to, like, avoid comments and yeah. stuff. Because I don't, like, I'm, I'm very easily persuaded. But... <laughs> um, my take is that the these others or these tethered people kind of represent this like hidden and other asp like part of America, like whether it's poverty or Republicans or like whatever, these sort of people that are like the underbelly of America. And I guess I should say that never mind. We're gonna also cut that. I don't wanna say that Republicans are the underbelly of America. What? (laughs) (laughs) I think that when she says we're Americans, she's she's sort of implying that the tethered represent this kind of other like the underbelly of America, kind Mm -hmm. of the the um, this this group of people that like is very much like us, but that we we kind of think of as other. And um, I think there's some sort of political musings about like in this film. I, I, I haven't quite formed it, but what do you think of that? Do you think that that's like, blah 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 bullshit, or do you think no, that yeah, makes that, sense? that makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I I don't have like anywhere to go with that. I just think that that's. Um, I ju- I was just thinking she had the Hands Across America shirt down there, and that was the only thing that she could pretty much read for all those years that she was down there. Yeah. It, it does. It does seem like was, a very like, like politically a bunch of, charged like, red people holding hands, and that's why they're or red. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that the red has anything to do with like political party colors? Sure. I don't know. Now I'm, just, I'm thinking that. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's possible. I just I I'm not smart enough to like put it all together. Yeah. So, um, where did they get all those red things? Down and in the, the sewers. Yeah, and the scissors. They just had a whole bunch of scissors. Yeah, they just showed like a montage of them suiting up and grabbing scissors. Yeah, I was like, I mean, maybe they had scissors. Like maybe the scissors were their surgical instruments from the labs that they were experimented on. Giant, oh, that stuff's a little wonky. Giant anyways. golden scissors. Yeah. Um. Clearly, you are not in a PhD program, so we have millions of them. We have millions of scissors in our labs. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I also had one other take on the film um, and I don't think it makes much sense but I'm interested to see what you think about it okay uh, so we know that Jordan Peele is like a very good filmmaker we know that he intentionally crafts things to kind of elicit responses and elicit imagery mm-hmm. there is in the very beginning there's like an intro little text thing that talks about like the millions of th- uh, 
miles of underground tunnels under the United States and everything like that. Most have no use. Most have no use. And then that stays up for a little bit longer. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, one way to interpret that is, oh, it's it's spooky and the film's going to explain what those uses are, which, which it does. The other interpretation is, do you think that Peel is just completely fucking with us with this film? And some of the things that he includes, like the rabbits, have no use. I don't think so. Have I, no purpose. I, I feel like okay. there is a purpose for everything. I, I do too, but there's like this tiny part in my head that it's like, is he just trying to like get us to think about things that actually don't have any meaning? Does that make yeah, sense? I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised after after Get Out, like literally everything in that movie had a meaning. Yeah, like, he, like is he just like he knew we were going to go into this with the same with, mindset? Yes, yeah. with the mindset of what does everything mean? What is this all? What is all of this? Yeah. And in in certain ways, like um, artists can create art. And then it doesn't necessarily matter what their intention was. It's how you perceive it, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's that whole thing about art. But Are we I supposed do, to draw our own conclusions from it? Yeah, I do wonder if he was sort of just like, yeah, I'm going to sprinkle some stuff here that like, like I, I'm sure he has these sort of overarching uh, narrative and thematic purposes like, you know, like the, the idea of being scared of oneself and your oneself being your biggest fear and kind of others and things like that 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 doesn't seem unintentional but i do wonder if there are certain things in the film that people are going to write article upon article about that don't actually mean anything yeah i mean people do that with all movies yeah but i wonder if it's intentional in this one and i think that that i i guess i don't wonder i'm pretty sure it's not unintentional i'm pretty sure everything is intentional yeah but i want but a tiny part of me is like is this guy so smart that he like intentionally puts things that could be intended for something but actually don't serve any purpose? Just like that thing that lingers on the screen. I don't know. Maybe we could ask uh, Jordan to come on the podcast and explain it. Yeah, that would be great. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a text because I have his. Oh, that's uh, great. You have his number. I do have his number. Okay. Yeah, me and him were tight. <laughs> so besides the tonal inconsistencies, was there anything else that didn't really work for you in this film. There's one thing that I sort of thought about uh, towards the end of the movie, just sort of why why it happened when um, when the tethered version of Zora, Zora's a daughter. Yeah, and, yeah. When the when the tethered version of Zora gets launched from the the front of the car into the trees. And Adelaide gets out and goes into the woods and tries to look for the tethered Zora. I was wondering why she got out of the car. There didn't seem to be a good reason for why. I guess to kill her? Yeah. But then then she got to the body and just kept saying shh to, to the Zora girl while she was dying. And it seemed like 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 Adelaide saw something or felt something about her yeah, that so I didn't get. I wonder if that is because on some sort of subconscious level, she cares for these kids because she is also a tethered. And on some level, she knows that 
like deep down and she sort of feels sympathy for when they're killed. Mm-hmm. Does that make do, sense? Do you think that's why she got out of the car? Do, or do you think that's just when she found the body? I don't know. I mean, I think there are some kind of silly things that characters do in this, like throughout this film to kind of like propel the plot along a yeah. little bit. And I think that might just be one of them. Okay. But I guess I can live with but that. But I do think it's interesting because when the the tethered version of the sun, Pluto is the name of the tethered one. Of course it is. Yeah, because <laughs> he's sort of a dog. dog. <laughs> but I think it may also be like references to the Greek god Pluto is Hades or whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe. <laughs> but she seems to be very unhappy when he dies, when he gets burned alive. She seems yeah. to cry. She kind of seems to kind of like cry yeah. out. I thought that was bizarre, but I think that that also kind of adds to the idea that the uh, that she has some sort of connection or sympathy to these other tethered versions, and she doesn't really want to see those children die because, in a way, they're her children. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I don't. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I guess the, that didn't land for me. I don't yeah, know. and I'm. I'm offering an explanation. I don't know if I accept my own explanation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the the so actually before I I get to kind of like a uh, a problem I had, I I do want to commend the movie for kind of like if this is a roller coaster as you mentioned, I feel like for the first 30 minutes of this film, it's just slowly like unnoticeably bringing you higher and higher and higher up. It's that like slow creep up. Yeah, that's classic uh, like, horror movie. Yeah, but I feel like this one the sudden shift into straight horror is like zero to 100. Oh yeah. I it feel was. like the, they were all just hanging out and then they're just like, there's a family outside. I was, yeah. I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, it's a roller coaster that's like going and then it's goes straight to a 90 degree drop. Yeah. Like it, it, you're like, you think you're on a roller coaster and then you're in one of those like free fall, like, Malaboomer thing. Yeah, I, yeah. You've never been to California Adventure. No, I, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Like, it, that was nuts. And I was just like, when it was happening, I was like, oh my, oh my God. Okay. We're just, we're just going it, to town. This is, yep. It's happening. That was, so I love that. But then after that first initial thing, they kind of have a, a thing where like Adelaide and Red, Red are talking to each other. They're all sitting on the couch. Yeah. That whole scene, I didn't really work for me. Cause, for a couple reasons. The first one is I don't understand why they didn't just kill the family there. Like, isn't isn't that the purpose that she was trying to – they were trying to replace them? Like, all the other – Yeah, but I think Red wanted it to be, like, for, for like, the tethered versions of themselves. I think she wanted it to be special for them. Okay. I, she had, I guess like, she had just like her like own plans for them. The the characters that we haven't talked about at all are the, the other family – um, I don't remember the guy, but the the girl is played by the Elizabeth girl from Handmaid's Moss. Tale. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, they just killed their tethers instantly. Yeah, but I mean, as Red said, like something was special about her because okay. she wandered away, and she was the one that like met Adelaide. Okay, okay, I guess that makes sense. Okay, yeah. So that that was the first part, but I guess. I'll, I'll accept your your excuse that you kind of wanted to make it like a special occasion. Sure. I mean, it's like it's like with super villains and superhero movies. Why don't they just kill them right off the bat? They want to they want it to be good, you know? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fair. The other thing that 
I didn't like about that scene is I did not like the decision that Lupita Nyong'o made for the voice that she chose. Like, really? I, I, I didn't like her voice, no. Like the the tethered version of her. It made sense rec- retrospectively thinking that the wind broke, broke the windpipe. Yeah. But like it reminded me of almost like Voldemort from Harry Potter. And it was like, it was just too goofy for me. It took me completely out oh, of the really? movie. Yeah. I thought it was so creepy. Oh, I didn't think it was creepy at all. I was like, this is... I do not like this. It was dumb. I really, it, yeah, it really bothered me. That whole scene, huh. I was just like, I, ugh, like, stop doing this. Like, I would have rather her just speak in her regular voice and like maybe be less, um, less eloquent or something. Like, it just, it, ugh, I didn't like it. <laughs> hmm. Okay. But yeah, so that was that was sort of like a. I couldn't tell if it was the actress's choice or the actor. Or I mean, the director's choice. But something there, it, it didn't work for me. But I guess it worked for you. So yeah. that's that's great. Uh, Do You mentioned the Joker earlier. Yeah. And while I did think that Lupita Nyong'o's performance was fantastic and the direction she was given was definitely better, it, parts of it did remind me a little bit of Jared Leto's Joker from The Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Do you agree with that? No. Okay. I can see what, I see what you mean, but... I, I thought it was really good. Okay. I, I felt like some of it was just a little too over the top for yeah, me. And it was yeah. like intentionally weird and intentionally creepy. Yeah. I could, I could see that. And it wasn't as bad as uh, – I wouldn't even say it was bad. It was just like there were certain moments where it was like, oh, okay, this is her being a method actress and she's doing creepy things and it kind of feels like she's being creepy for creepy's sake. Like the waving of her like, hands and the dancing and stuff. Yeah, and sort of some of like the eye movements and mm-hmm. things like that were just sort of like, I don't know if this is not contributing to the character for me. But yeah, okay. That's, that's fine. Okay, so Ian, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, No, that about wraps it all up. All right, yeah. So the one other thing that I want to bring up is something that I suggested or mentioned to you earlier was I saw this very interesting tweet from a guy. His name is Walter Chaw. He's a senior critic for filmfreakcentral.net. And he tweeted recently, Jordan Peele is more in danger of being the next Shyamalan than the next Spielberg. Oh, and I just saw Us. So I I guess he didn't like Us Mm -hmm. as much, definitely not as much as you and probably not even as much as me. Um... Have you heard this kind of comparison of... Uh, I, I haven't. Could, could have, you explain it? Have you heard the comparison of Jordan Peele being the next Spielberg? Yes. You've heard I, that? I've heard that. Yeah. Right? So I think what Walter Chaw is trying to get at here is that after The Sixth Sense, Shyamalan, M. Night Shyamalan, who directed that film, mm-hmm. was kind of touted as like the next great filmmaker. And like he was going to be the next Spielberg. He was like this this genius that knew film and understood everything okay. uh, and continuously made movie after movie that was excellent because he made The Sixth Sense and then Unbreakable, mm-hmm. which were both um, like critically acclaimed films. And then he made a whole bunch of really bad movies. Yeah, yeah. His reputation went in the shitter and now he's slowly trying to crawl back out. So I, so I think Cha is suggesting that Peel, instead of being the next Spielberg like a lot of people are saying for better or for worse is going to be the next Shyamalan hmm. I don't think so I, okay. I I really like what I've seen from him so far I think I, I, I didn't something that you mentioned earlier is like it, is this 
Jordan Peele's sophomore slump, and I, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I, I saw like a lot of the same things that I really liked in Get Out and a lot of really new things that I liked in, in the movie. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think this is a sophomore slump. Uh, I think everything here is, is good. Uh, I Again, it may just be because like Get Out is more my type of movie. I like to Get Out a lot more, but I think that this is doing something substantially different and I think it's very good. Yeah. Um, but I, so I do think the comparisons, like I, I had never thought of this or heard of this until this guy tweeted it. There are similar comparisons to Shyamalan. He, Shyamalan likes to have twists in his films. He likes to have these kind of supernatural takes on film. Mm. Um, so I do see some similarities there. And the other thing to mention is that after two films, or I mean, he he directed a couple films before that. But if I if we're gonna consider like these Shyamalan films of The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, um, both of those were very good. Mm-hmm. So it's almost Peel's third film that's going to decide whether he's a Spielberg or whether he's a Shyamalan. Yeah. And I know some people take issue of people saying like X, X person is the next Spielberg. Like they think it's kind of insulting. Yeah, I was to, about to say that. But like, <laughs> but I think just for the sake of like an easy comparison, um, that's, that's, that's sort of what I'm getting at. So I, I think that's something that I'm interested to see where Peel's career goes next, what he does next. Because I think one of the problems that Shyamalan had was that he was continuously given bigger budgets, like again and again and again. And then he kind of built up an ego and thought he knew best and like was very adverse to um, like uh, different opinions coming in and like advice and stuff like that. And I Mm. don't think from what I've listened, I've listened to a couple interviews with Peel. He said he's very collaborative and likes to get information and feedback from the people that he trusts. So I, I think that Peel's got his head on his shoulders more mm-hmm. than Shyamalan. Mm. But that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I guess what we can both agree on is that we're excited to see what comes next. 100%. Peel. And, you know, if if the uh, he's doing a TV show on CBS All Access, oh. if that that's uh, like a remake or like reboot of the Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, we saw it on the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. The, the trailer. If that's good, I may end up okay. I'm not. I'm not going to get CBS All Access, but I really <laughs> hope. I really hope that those uh, shows are either put on Netflix later or it's put on my Plex account by whoever owns that. So, <laughs> I I'm really excited to see those. Yeah, so. me too. Okay, so let's move on to our point two section where yes. we briefly talk about some of the other stuff we've been watching. Yeah. So what have you seen since the last time we talked? Yeah, so the big thing I wanted to talk about that I've watched is um, the Netflix documentary uh, Behind the Curve. It's uh, a documentary about flat earthers and just sort of the the resurgence of the conspiracy theory that the earth is flat. You mean the tr- – no, I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so funny. It, it's, it's funny, but also – it it has a new approach to uh, conspiracy theorists that I feel like is really good and welcomed. It's like – it doesn't dismiss conspiracy theorists as insane. It tries to understand why they make the decisions they do and what makes them believe these huh. things. Um, and – I guess you have to watch to find out, but 
the, they basically come to the conclusion that uh, conspiracy theorists were just like on the fringe of society and people didn't really accept them for who they are and so they just got alienated even further and further until they find like this group that they are accepted in yeah and that's sort of how they they find uh that's sort of how like the flat earthers find themselves and even when they're uh shown like proof that they are wrong they're unwilling to believe it because this is the only community this is the only thing that they have that's really interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. Like I'll, I'll probably check that out. There's that's, a really interesting really cool. experiment that they do. Um, and like the, the, the flat earthers do an experiment. And, and <laughs> they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to prove 100% certain that the earth is flat. Uh-huh. And it's an interesting experiment that they have because in your head you're like, okay, so that's just going to prove that the earth is round. Yeah. And like spoiler, it, it proves that the earth is round. And they're like – man, like, we can't present this data. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous because I'm pretty sure I might be wrong, but in, like, 300 BC or whatever, they proved that the Earth was round. Yeah. Like, whenever Galileo was around, but, like, I think even before that, they did, like, this, they they walked the distance between two cities and looked at the sun yeah, and no, shit. These and, people like, have thought out this conspiracy so much, it goes back, like, the whole way. Wow. And okay. they, they have reasons for everything. It's, that, it's crazy. Yeah, that, that seems really interesting. I'll, I'll definitely want to check that it's out. It's a very good documentary. Yeah, yeah I a- loved it. Allie loves documentaries. She's kind of, well, I mean, she she likes m- ones that are more about, like, kind of um, sustainability and things like that mm. and, and science. But maybe we'll check that out. I, I feel like she'll be into that. I definitely want to check that out. I, I like the idea of kind of the idea I like the idea of that. <laughs> I like the idea that these conspiracy theorists are sort of like forced into these groups. Yeah. And it's almost it reminds me a lot of how like social media is and like how just in general the internet is it's sort of like an echo chamber mm-hmm. of you find these these voices that are in agreement and mm-hmm. everything just sort of gets amplified. I think that's a really interesting concept. Yeah, and there are like the experience the experiments that these flat earthers do are pretty complex. And something that's mentioned in the documentary is, like, I guess just like we were talking about earlier, you know, all it takes is one bad day. Like, the, <laughs> they're, they're like, these people could have been great scientists. They, they know so much, but they have, like, a blockage when it comes to, like, certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I just thought it was really good. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so as far as what I've been watching, I uh, have seen two movies that I want to talk about. The first one is one that I think we've both seen, and I've, I've seen it before. Um, it's called Love, Simon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and upon rewatch, this film is just one of my favorite films. Yeah, I love so this film. Um, I it's, the, it's just a story about a... Uh, a boy in high school who uh, is secretly closeted, he's secretly gay, and uh, it's kind of the story of his coming out and uh, this relationship that he has with another closeted uh, gay kid at his school that he doesn't know because it's an online relationship, and kind of, it, it's just a very, very loving story, and it's fun, 
it's funny it's heartwarming i like mm-hmm. i have nothing negative to say about this film yeah i, I love greg berlanti yeah it's, so. it's directed by greg <laughs> berlanti who does the arrowverse stuff and i mean the one knock that i have on this film is that like i don't understand how this film is so good and some of the stuff on the cw is so not but yeah the story is just really relatable and it just i see large parts of my life in simon's story mm-hmm. despite the fact that I'm not gay. Like, I think that that sort of representation and that kind of idea of getting to witness these stories and them being relatable is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And I just I just love this movie. Yeah, no, it's so fun. So, yeah. The other film I saw is one that I don't love. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, it's called Skyscraper. Oh, yes. A.K.A. Die Scraper. Johnson. A.K.A. Sky Hard. <laughs> Uh, it's it's Dwayne Johnson's like you know one of the six movies that he churns out every year, and he <laughs> in this one he's scaling like this giant fake building in China or I think it's Hong Kong yeah it's Hong Kong, and uh, chaos ensues when it gets you know it gets caught ablaze and all this stuff. Of course, this film is ridiculous. I watched it with my roommate and the funnest like we had fun in this film because we were able to accurately predict things that happened <laughs> later in the film so much. I'm, I I want to tell you one of the stories, and it's slight spoiler for this film. So, like, I guess if you really want to see this, it's not a good film. I enjoyed watching <laughs> it, but it's not good. So, like, take that as you will, but I'm going to spoil one thing in it. So there is an opening scene between Dwayne Johnson and his wife, mm. and she's like, She's like, he he's like a security guy. Mm-hmm. Like he works with security systems and stuff. So she's like, honey, my phone's not working. Like, and he, he takes the phone and he he like fixes it really quick and he gives it back to her. And she's like, what'd you do? And he's like, oh, I just turned it off and on again. Like, that's all, all you have to do. Uh, most of the time, 90% of the time, that fixes the problem. So later in the movie, he had to turn something off and then on not again. Not something, the skyscraper. Yeah. So immediately, that's that's in the first three minutes of the film. I uh, first ten minutes, and I turn to Brian, and I'm like, I bet he has to turn the building off and on again. And then it happens. <laughs> he doesn't do it. His wife does it. So she learns the lesson that it's brilliant screenwriting, really. No. Yeah. But really. So many of these like ridiculous like tropes in these action movie things happen in this it is incredible like <laughs> like a car uh, a cop gets knocked off his motorcycle and then it like zooms in on the motorcycle that like is there and I'm like oh Brian he's gonna pick up the motorcycle get on the motorcycle Dwayne <laughs> he gets on the motorcycle yeah, like yeah. it it was just so fun and Brian had a couple good ones too and we like called some character deaths and like people being evil and it was the movie's not not good, but it, it was fun and it was on HBO. It's one of those classic like HBO picks up all the garbage movies that come out yeah. for some reason. So um, yeah, I enjoyed that <coughs> Just a lot. Asleep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you rewatched that, didn't you? I did. Oh man, good yeah. luck. So <laughs> director's cut. Was it the director's yeah, cut? Yeah, that's why I watched it. Is it any better? No. Oh. No. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, yeah. So that's what I've been watching. So, okay. <laughs> this has been our review of Jordan Peele's Us. Ian, if the listeners would like to follow you online, where can they find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at 
I Anderson, the Owen Anderson is a zero. That's brilliant. It's better than most of the things in skyscrapers, so good for you. Thank you. Yeah. And you can follow me on Twitter at mgrohl9. And you can always reach out to us at our email, moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com. And you can find at least one more episode of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we or are now, iTunes. yeah, we are now officially on iTunes. So feel free to subscribe and write a review there if you like what we're doing. And of course, any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through the newest DC film, Shazam. Hopefully not as bad as uh, <laughs> Justice League. Um, yeah, I really crossed my fingers. Yeah, I, I, I have positive hopes for this, <laughs> but we'll see. We actually get to see Shazam today in an early screening. Um, so we'll have our next episode out early so that you guys can use that to decide whether you want to check it out. So, okay, until then. Peace. Bye. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.